I Love Mortgage Brokering, Episode 2. If you're prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. So Broker Nation, I'm thrilled to introduce our guest today. It's Peter Matheny. He's a mortgage planner based out of Toronto, Ontario, one of the top brokers in the country and a very successful mortgage practice. Uh, hey, Peter, how's it going today? Good, thank you. So what I'd like to start with, Peter, is just tell us a little bit about yourself personally, because we want to get to know about you, and then just about your business. Well, I've been uh, a brokering for over 25 years in the Toronto or GTA area. I'm probably one of the original dozen that started in this industry when I started. Mortgage brokering was in its infancy, and really no one was aware of it, so totally a different landscape, but uh, graduating from university, I didn't even know what a mortgage broker was, but it sure sounded more exciting than uh, being a trader, which I graduated for. You know, reaching out to people and offering them money seemed to be a heck of a lot easier than asking for it, so I've enjoyed it every day since. So, so uh, one of the originals that started in the, the, the business... So what about your family life? Like, do you have a family and stuff? Yeah, I have a family. I have three boys, uh, three grown boys now, uh, university age, late high school. It's all going well. One of them's uh, in business and getting pretty interested in what I'm doing, so we'll see where that goes. And, uh, of course, a wife at home, so all good. No complaints. You know, I know that you were asking me recently about, you know, how I run my business. Well, two key things if it matters to you or the audience, whatever, is that I've always just committed 40 hours a week to this and I've always, you know, had dinner at home. It's just part of my value proposition. But when I'm in the office, I'm totally focused. I don't take meetings. I don't, I bag a lunch. I don't let people come into my office. It's like I'm, I'm on stage for that eight hours and then I go home and I shut it down. And that seemed to work very well. And hey, did I lose a couple deals every month by not taking an evening call or doing a weekend meeting? Absolutely I did. But it was uh, a price I was prepared to pay and well, well worth it. Second thing about my business, if you're interested in, is uh, I learned very early that for me, the biggest penetration or the way to grow my business most effectively the way I wanted to is to spend all my time and energy and resources cultivating the clients I have into basically creating them into disciples to uh, be my sales force and introduce me to other people. So even to this day, we don't do any advertising in the yellow pages or in any kind of print. And uh, I don't take any inquiries that come through the internet or were not referred to me by someone I know. That's such good advice. I mean, as a, I've got a young family and, you know, it's so easy to just keep expanding the number of hours I work thinking that, you know, it's easy to tell yourself I'm doing it for my family. But then, you know, your ki your kids are like, hey, well, I haven't seen you, dad, in like, you know, a week. And so it's good to put that first. And then obviously then when you're at work, be fully on, just be, you know, dialed in and, and focused. So it's something I'm, I'm definitely not I'm not at that level yet, but I'm, I'm constantly trying to uh, try to improve it. So, well, if it's any consolation, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes, you know, years and years of conditioning. You know, I go on holidays and never take a laptop or a mobile phone, and, and it's not easy to do. It is it is kind of a, a, a therapeutic exercise. You have to definitely, you know, bit by bit work on it. It doesn't happen overnight. Well, it's, yeah, you're definitely an anomaly because I, I notice a lot of people that in my industry that are trying to grow, they, they seem to be, they're on 24-7, and, and uh, so it's good. It's good to hear somebody, you can actually, you can do this business and still have a life. So before I dive into your story, I just want to ask you about a success quote because I love quotes. I love how they inspire me and get me motivated. So do you have a quote that you that you sort of that, that's important to you that's made an impact in your life or business? 
Well, they'll actually have a lot of quotes. Um, you know, I would basically say my life quote is do what you've always done and you'll get to what you've always gotten. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then for business, boy, there's so many. Um, you know, I think I think the key to any business is, I don't know if this is exactly a quote, but it's more of a mindset, is that really understand your unique ability. Don't think you can do everything because you're probably terrible at a lot of the things you think you're good at. So spend some time in, you know, education or, or, or some kind of course you can take that determines what your strengths are. And the key to my business and keeping me happy and invigorated is always delegating as much as I possibly can because by no means do I think I'm good at everything. I, I've worked hard to determine what my strengths are and mm-hmm. I completely avoid tasks and responsibilities where I know I'm weak and I, and I empower other people uh, to take on those responsibilities. I think if everyone knows their place in my office, there's a very strict rule. People only do their specific job description, uh, what they've been decided to do, and it works like, uh, I like to think it works like uh, a well-oiled machine. Yeah, that, from my conversations with you in the past, I've I've often thought of your business as like an assembly line, and it you know almost like where they put a you put a car in and the tires go on and then the doors and the paint job and and yeah it does seem and everybody knows what part of the assembly that they're involved in. So yeah, it's a bit of a Henry Ford mentality over here. Yeah, that's good. It's a, it's great, especially when you're trying to be efficient and and you know still be able to have time, like you said, for your family. So can well, that's you, what that's what, you know Henry Henry Ford was one of the original innovators of efficiency, right? Return on your time. I, yeah, I love Henry Ford said, if I listened to what people want, I would have given them a faster horse. It's always cracked me up, that quote. So it's about sometimes understanding what the, what the market needs, not just what they think they want. So one of the, one of the things I also find that, it, for me anyways, I've been doing this for eight years, is that failure also is a great teacher. And so I would love to hear a story of something that you'd failed at and then what you learned from it. So something, if you can be specific about you know, something you thought was going to work maybe and didn't, and then what you learned and how you changed from it. Well, you know, I, I can honestly say I don't have any failures that left a lasting impression on me. You know, I never think of things as problems. I always, you know, think of them as challenges. You know, give some examples and, and some brokers uh, who've been brokering for a while appreciate. You know, when First Line closed down, I think a lot of people envisioned that as a huge problem. I was never, that was the biggest boon for my business because I had thousands of first-line clients. I reached out to all of them and they said, hey, listen, the, the landscape's changed. You may want to change with it. CIBC is not first-line and we just wrote an amazing amount of business, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess, I guess you know, I'm not a good one to ask that question because whenever there is a failure, and I'm not trying to think I'm, uh, uh, you know, above the above the line, so to speak. But whenever there's a failure, I always think, okay, well, there's going to be something in there that we can make some money at or turn it to our advantage. So I always have always had that mindset. So I can't honestly think of uh, anything that I've done in the past uh, that I would have done differently. And most of the things that in our industry, at least, most of the things that do happen to us, we have no control over anyways. Our biggest strength is being able to adapt. You know, and and one word of advice I have is anyone who thinks that the landscape, particularly in the last few years with lenders in the financial industry, isn't a moving target, it's absolutely always going to be a moving target. You just have to move with it. And I think more energy spent in adapting new ideas, new strategies, and how to leverage these changes is money, money, or I should say energy and money, much better spent than worrying about all, all the things that are going to go wrong. Right. That's such good advice. I agree. Like the, even in the eight years that I've been doing this, I've noticed a huge, like up, you know, my market ups and downs and, 
and being able to adjust is is critical to to survival you know and and i yeah when you told me that story before about first line i just that was that was fantastic the idea to just well take the what they've given you and make something great from it so you got it well that that's you know i mean we can't just pack up our tent and go home right so right so one other thing I've noticed too about talking to successful mortgage brokers is they all have a system or a process and they're willing to tweak it in order to get better results. So could you just share an example of a sales process or some follow-up process that wasn't working and that what you what you changed so that just can you give us give us an idea of how we can think about, you know, making those little adjustments. Well, I'm glad you brought up little adjustments because that's the way I perceive that is that, you know, no sales processor system uh, is perfect. There's no such thing as perfect, right? It's always evolving. It's, you know, it's always got to be optimized. It's always got to be changed. It's like any computer program. It's completely always updated. It doesn't last forever, right? So a lot of people think they're looking for this perfection in their system, and then that's it. We're good. Well, no, you can expect that it's a given that you know it looks perfect now, but it's not going to be so perfect maybe in a week, a month, a year from now. So you have to always be open to how you're going to tweak it. So the reason I liked your comment about small adjustments in my career I've never had a huge adjustment. I've just been, I'm adjusting all the time. I'm always making small adjustments and I find that it's, you know, you make those little, you're driving a plane, you're not going to make a left-hand turn. You're going to keep turning at a degree here and a degree there and next thing you know, you're going left, right? So anyway, mm-hmm. the point being is, um, um, if you want to, but my specific process, if really briefly, is, you know, I'm the point guard, right? I, I'm the face, I'm the the salesperson, the personality, and and people are introduced to me, and then through a process of elimination, there is no right or wrong mortgage, I tell them. I said there's only an educated choice, so through a process of elimination, we determine what financing package, mortgage rate, what have you, is going to ultimately help them pay less interest. They they quickly learn that it's not the interest rate, it's the maneuvers I'm pulling to pay less interest over the life of this mortgage. And then I, once I get them on the same page, we're going to go for a certain product, then I pass it on to some Someone in my office who uh, will obviously prepare the paperwork, answer their questions about documentation, and bring it to closure. So that's a bit of the process. Uh, if you like, and maybe this is one of your questions, uh, if you want to ask me about my process on how I get that person to call me, I'd be glad to answer that. Sure. Yeah. How about that? Give me give me an example. Of how do you get them to call you? Because that's uh, there's lots of different parts of the process, but even just one would be great. So. Yeah, I'll give you a couple quick ones. Well, I said earlier that everyone's referred to me, so usually it's surprising how few phone calls I take nowadays. I used to take hundreds of phone calls every day five or ten years ago. Now I get like ten, but I get thousands of emails. So the point is typically they're introduced to me, again, by a past client, friend, colleague, realtor, what have you. And then we start usually with an email exchange. So in my office, I've prepared half a dozen different templates. So if the email is something like, hey, uh, John Doe asked me to call you. I'm looking at buying a house. Well, I have this template. It's already put together. Of course, I change the name. I change a few of the verbiages and I have some attachments about my value proposition, some things we'll look at. I actually encourage people to read this material uh, before they call me. I actually tell them, read it once or twice because thereafter when you do call me and if we do happen to meet, it's going to be far more fruitful because A, a lot of your questions will be answered and B, you'll have some questions you didn't really think about, which I invite. So uh, that's part of, that's how the process begins. And then, of course, uh, as I said a moment ago, we take it further. Right, yeah. And then so th- those emails, over time, I'm sure you probably, if, they, if we look at one of those emails from two, two years ago, it probably is a little bit different. You've in- Oh, they, they change every couple of weeks. You know, the, the, the dates change, the verbiage changes, you know, Jim Flaherty passes away, you know, uh, the, the uh, 
bond markets going up or down, 10-year fixed is hot now. Yeah, so it's always being tweaked. I would say probably tweak that template once or twice a week when I'm sending it out just to keep it looking and sounding and being current. And fresh. And so do you actually set aside time so to look at your process or does it just do it, are you like organically in the, in the middle of it? Sorry, one more time. So do you set aside time to, you know, look at your, your business process and go, you know, this area could be improved, like sort of, you you know, block a half an hour or is this just something that you do on the fly when you're like, hey, this needs to be adjusted and you adjust it? Well, we, uh, we, we, as a team, you know, we not only have team meetings every few months and so on, but no, it happens organically. You know, people come, everyone's an equal here. There's no supervisor or manager or elite broker and everyone's an equal here, even administrators and administrators have been super insightful and, Hey, we should change this process, that process to be more efficient. And, uh, we collectively say, yeah, that makes sense. Or we collectively don't. And, uh, we want, so it's definitely more organic. It's not as rigid as, you know, sitting down the first of the month and putting together a business plan. You know, there's a lot of moving parts in our industry and what works today could totally not work tomorrow. Right. So that you have to be willing to, and I'm sure that you, your conversations with the clients and what your, your research that you're doing allows you to adjust it on the fly instead of trying to, you know, wait for two weeks when you have that time scheduled to make an adjustment. Yeah, let's face it. We learn a lot of information from our clients about our processes or lack thereof, and then we'll make that change immediately. I mean, listen, we're all small businesses. We don't have the time uh, to have meetings and evaluate uh, uh, the practicality of some of this stuff. I mean, that's the whole point of running a business. You've got to be nimble. You've got to react effectively immediately. That's awesome. Thank you for, for that example. So what, what another question I'd like to ask is, so what one thing or habit do you think has made you successful? You've been, how many years have you been doing this? 25? Just over 25. I actually lost count. <laughs> so what do you think is the, what worry, habit has made you successful? Pardon? What, what one habit or thing that you think you've done over the 20, last, because I've met people just not to, you know, that have been in the business 25 years and they're sort of still, you know, it's, it's every month is who knows what's going to happen. So what, have, what do you think you've done that has made you successful over the past 25 years? Well, if I could summarize it, I was telling you earlier about my, my schedule throughout the week, and, and I think uh, uh, it's consistency of the product or the process, kind of like McDonald's. When you show up, when you talk to this client, the next client, the client, the story is the same, the information is the same. I was telling you about templates. You know, if you want to call me, forget about reaching them out after 6 o'clock kind of thing. So the idea is I, I think it's the process of predictability for the consumer and anyone they refer and, and ultimately, what you're doing is managing their expectations, right? So I, I think the, the thing that I do best, both here and at home, is I manage people's expectations. It's not a matter of who's right or who's wrong. It's a matter of them, uh, uh, you know, being comfortable or knowing what to expect or being comfortable with what to expect. Right. No, that's all, that's great. Yeah, managing. It's, a, it's an easy way to mess your business up if you don't manage other people's expectations well, too. So. Yeah, they know that everyone's different, right? So no, no, not one shoe's not going to fit everybody, right, or every situation. Okay, so now I'd just like to ask you a few questions where you can, uh, we call, I call it the rapid fire questions where you can, you can give little shorter answers if you like, but so what is the, what do you think is the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? So you earlier, you're talking about people sort of in the one to five year mark when they're trying to get, get their traction. So what, what do you think is holding them back from really, um, being able to grow their business? Sales training. And what, so where any, any advice on like where they could get that if it's not available currently? <laughs> 
Well, I, oh, I think I think a lot of uh, salespeople and brokers uh, think they're good salespeople, and I, I would I would bet if they went to their local sales training course, be it given by Xerox, which is one of the best in the world, or whomever, it'd be Joe Stump or any of these. I mean, there's lots of them. They'd be quick to learn that uh, they're probably not as good of, and I'm the first to admit it, probably not as good of a salesperson as they think they are, because you know. People ask, hey, is it selling mortgages? Well, we're not really selling mortgages or we're giving people credit. I mean, that's pretty darn easy to extend credit. It's not like we're asking them for checks or trying to sell them a house or sell them a car. That's tough sledding. Mm -hmm. So really, uh, I, I, uh, the sales training is a bit different, but the point being is I think, uh, I think uh, sales training is, it's all sales training in my opinion. If you can take some basic sales training and always always continually improve your, your skill and, and, and improve your story and recreate yourself, uh, you'll make more, you'll do more transactions, right? Yeah, I agree with you because because one of the cool the cool things about being a mortgage broker is often unless you're doing private loans is you don't have to ask for money. So I get to, you get to go in and be like the white knight who helps solve their problem and and help them understand things and oh don't worry it doesn't cost anything and so people it's you're for sure if you have to ask for money then you would have to be a lot better salesperson. So uh, maybe the salespeople who are getting trained that have to actually ask for money that's a good place to to learn some skills. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I wouldn't be very successful if I had to ask people for checks to buy their car, or checks to buy their mutual funds. I think I think that's just not my 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 strength or my temperament. But hey, for me to extend people credit and give stuff, for lack of a better expression, give stuff away because there is no fear charge for our services for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. uh, that that comes naturally to me. That's much much easier for me. But it still takes. Uh, as we well know, it's very competitive because other people are doing it as well. It still takes uh, a degree of sales ability. And I don't think sales ability, I think there's some natural and innate part of it, but that's only half the picture. There, there, there is no one who can say that they're not a better salesperson by taking sales training. Sales training is just like any education. It's something you're taught. And if you have an innate ability, you're just going to be a faster learner. Right. That's that's great advice. So n next question is, do you have an, like an Internet resource or a program or something that you've used in your business that's that has been like that's really helped you that we could share with our listeners? Uh, Internet resource that helps with my business. Well, uh, I, I personally, of course, at Mortgage Architects, we've got a great CRM program. At, uh, I have another program I use, uh, which is called CR Works, which has been a while, around for a long time. I reach out to my clients. Now, everything we do here is electronic. We, we do very few print, uh, print uh, uh, communication with our client base. And of course, I mean, geez, in this day and age, there's so many resources. I mean, you're out of business if you're not on Facebook and Twitter, right? in my opinion. And of mm -hmm. course, uh, what I find is uh, a lot of websites in general, not just in our community, get stale. So I think a good place to invest time and energy is a very good and or efficient uh company, person, individual, whatever, who manages your website and is constantly upgrading that because that is really the medium that uh, this generation is 100% relying on, right? And it's the first look they get of you because often if somebody, like I'm sure your referrals, they say, hey, talk to Peter, they probably type your name in the in Google and then up pops your website and they want to see a consistent message. Right. And you know, uh, you're, another one that I really rely on heavily is CMHC because it's perceived and it is. Uh, a neutral site. It's not a site that you're sending them to, you know, Remax or, or, or Mortgage Architects or whatever. It's a very neutral site. So that really 
I find when I direct clients there for their inquiries about rates and, and the Bank of Canada and where the market prices are going or have been, I, I find it really legitimizes and validates the fact that I'm the consumer advocate. I want all the information they digest to be neutral, and I have my only goal is to make an educated decision. I'll never tell them what mortgage to take. Right. No, that's good. I, I've noticed that actually in other conversations with you about how you use someone else creates the content like the Globe and Mail and it's and it's good. You'll just share that and instead of you don't have to recreate it, just share the share those resources and then you become, you know, you get the be, become the expert by fi- pointing it out to them because they didn't they wouldn't have found it or didn't know it existed. So, uh, if you had one book you'd recommend for our listeners, what would it be? Oh, geez. Uh, you're talking in a business sense? Yeah, business or something that would that you think would help, like a this one to five year mortgage broker that you think, hey, if this if if I were you, this is the book I I would recommend you read. Geez. Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a book that I think covers both your personal life and your business life, and it's The New Earth by Eckhart Tolle because it really helps you put yourself into perspective. It talks about your ego. And, you know, you were saying earlier, what do you think holds a lot of people back in our business? Well, I think in general, what holds a lot of people back is their perception of themselves or the, with how they want to be perceived, or in other words, your ego. And this book is pretty, this book is actually amazing. It tells you how to kind of keep that, and like everyone does everything in life, and the, from the waking moment, it's all about their ego. And it's kind of interesting how to keep it in check. And it plays into these things we've talked about today, you know. Don't be afraid to do something you. Uh, don't be afraid to take the selling course. Don't think that you know everything guaranteed 100% you don't. And, and so I think that's a good book that encompasses both personal and business life. Cool. Awesome. I haven't actually read that one, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on my list. And it's, so I, it's, I got, it's, it, I've read it twice. It's so good. <laughs> that's awesome. So I have two, two last questions for you. So the first one is, where do you think our industry is headed? Like, so where's the opportunity? So you know, obviously it's going to change. I know that the, this answer can change, but right now, if you, you know, wake up this morning, where do you think the opportunity is? Well, actually, I don't think the answer will change. And, and my answer is, uh, I'm a hundred percent, not even 99% confident in this answer. Uh, the days of getting more wealthy, I want to clarify that's more wealthy, not wealthy, doing mortgage brokering alone have come and gone. That ship has sailed, right? Mm-hmm. Now you can make a good living, and it's just the mechanics of, uh, uh, it's a matrix of the number of lenders, compression on, number of lenders leaving the marketplace, compression on commissions, number of competition, our community is brokers go, growing. So it's, a, it's not just one singular thing, it's everything. So the days of, you know, making a lot of money, being extremely financially sex, successful, being only a mortgage broker, those days have come and gone. I mean, you can become a mortgage broker and make a very good living Please don't get me wrong. But a lot of people, most people engage in in being self-employed or commissioned or becoming a mortgage broker because they're looking to not plateau and then live out the next 20 years. They're looking at what's happening next and how can I leverage my knowledge and leverage my relationships to make more money. That's, mm-hmm. that's the whole. That's the whole foundation of being an entrepreneur. If they didn't want to do that, they would just work at the bank and and be happy with their their salary, their severance, and their pension. So, so there's no doubt in my mind the days of being financially better off uh, in a progressive manner, mortgage working at that. So, so what do we do next? Well, in my opinion, all of us or most of us have uh, excellent 
intimate client base where they trusted us with their mortgage. We typically have a much more intimate relationship with them than they would for their bank teller who gave them the mortgage or whatever the case may be, but we're throwing it away because we're, we're doing one transaction with them. We're getting paid by an institution. An institution nicely pushes us aside and takes on our client and then strips them apart and sells them everything else under the sun they possibly can. Mm-hmm. You know, the credit card, the, the checkbook, the GIC, the RSP, this goes on and on. We all know that the mortgage is the least profitable product for the institution. It's really just an anchor product to get introduced to new market share and then, of course, now engage in the products that really do make the money, car loans, credit cards. You know this stuff, right? That's mm-hmm. where the spreads are made. Spreads are made on mortgages, okay? So, so, so we have to start letting our our minds evolve or intelligence involved because if you think about the financial services, our mortgage broker model is the most flawed model in the entire financial industry other than places like real estate agents and everyone would agree with this is because we do this one transaction, we say goodbye and then we're going out hunting for the next transaction. That's not how you buy a business. You can make a good living, but it's not how you build a business that has a legacy, some worth at the end of the day and is basically paying an annuity. We all know insurance salespeople or mutual fund salespeople or investment advisors and they build up the book and they're on cruise control at the age 55. They're, you know, do they take some bleeding in their book? Yeah, but they're getting the annuities. They've got a book of business they can sell to colleagues and partners and so on and so forth. So that's an intelligent uh, business, successful business model. So my point is, we have these great relationships. So we've got to stop giving them to bankers so that they can pick them apart and make a lot of money on them. So all of us brokers need to start thinking of a way of how we can leverage this relationship and make more money. So this is 100% the future, not even maybe for the mortgage broker who does want to go to the next level. Is after they after they built that relationship and given them that mortgage, they need to start having conversations about, I'm going to take care of your insurance. You don't need to go to an insurance company. I've got a partner here. I've hired someone. I've made an association with another company, and we're going to put you on our books, and we're going to sell you insurance. And then they're going to sell them the GIC, and then they're going to do So my point is, the broker has to expand his financial offerings, and this is what we were talking about at the Town Hall of Mortgage Architects, which is already being proactive on this. They have to expand their uh, product offering so that everyone benefits. The borrower benefits because they're getting some independent intention and individual uh, you know, analysis on their particular situation. They're not just going to a bank. I always tell them, hey, you go to the bank for your for your investments. That's like going to a Ford dealership and asking what kind of car is best for your family. That's a good so, so, so the borrower, the borrower benefits. Of course, we benefit, and then we have this referral tree and this and this this family that's growing and growing and growing. So definitely, the broker has to start getting involved with expanding their product the product offering. I'm not saying mortgage brokers have to run out and get and learn insurance and get licensed. I'm not saying you have to run out and get licenses as wealth management advisors. What I'm saying is you have to pause and start building a business where, uh, you know, uh, 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 like David Maynard is in Montreal, makes more money on his planning side than his mortgage side. We have to introduce people into our into our office. I have a financial planner and put them on staff and say, hey, all these clients, they're, I'm introducing them all to you. And we're going to keep all that business in-house, and I'm going to have a financial planning company running in tandem. Nothing to do with my mortgage business. Mm-hmm. Which is running in tandem them with my uh, with my mortgage business and you're gonna also sell insurance and we're gonna keep those insurance but now the stats are very clear if a client has two and a half products with you 
this, this is a bank stack. They have two and a half products with you. You've got them. You've got pretty much all your business, right? Mm-hmm. So as mortgage brokers, we're giving them one product. Well, I'm telling all the, I'm telling our community, you've got to think of a way where you can engage with at least three products with them and you own this client. When it comes up for renewal on mortgage, the conversation is not even going to be with the mortgage supplier. It's going to be with, um, you know, Scott, who not only set up my mortgage, but he set up my insurance, and he set up my uh, property insurance for that matter, and he set up da 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 and, and that's where the future is, is to build a business that is a book, that has some value, that has some annuity, and is saleable, and brings value to both the consumer and the business owner. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. I mean, it sounds to me, and I know that if I if you I asked you, I said, so should a broker do all these things, like you had said earlier, you know, do know what you're good at and do one thing and and just have strategic partnerships and and think and build your business long term. It sounds to me like you're kind of building like a nimble bank that, in a sense, it's not like a typical bank like a Ford dealer where you go in and you can only get a Ford. But it's it's um yeah, it's very exciting. I agree with you. I, I think that there's the opportunity is exciting and in our industry, and I'm looking forward to seeing sort of how the next few years play out. But you have to be you got to be thinking bigger than just just doing a you know doing the mortgage and saying goodbye. And hopefully, I talk to you in five years. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone in our community, in our mortgage broker community, who possibly thinks there's going to be more lenders, higher commissions, and less competition. I know we all think the opposite. Right. No, agreed. So last question, and this is one of my favorites. So uh, if you woke up tomorrow and you had sold your business and you moved to another town about the same size as uh, where you currently live, and you needed to rebuild your mortgage, you need to build a mortgage business, and you can't contact any of your previous contacts and your old clients because you're you have this ironclad contract. So, what would be the first three things you would do? You, you're in this new community. You're starting from scratch. Uh, what would you do? What's the first three steps? Well, I I, I join some uh, for both personal and business reasons. I join some community uh, uh, clubs, you know, be it the ski club or whatever, and obviously start meeting neighbors and friends and so on. And uh, really, that that. You know, you're asking for three things to do. I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd build some kind of presence with uh, uh, some kind of storefront or whatever. I wouldn't just work out of my basement. If I wanted to build this business right, I'd, I'd want to have that kind of, uh, especially if you're in a smaller town, that kind of public appeal. But mostly, I would join a club and start making uh, making contacts and acquaintances because, as I mentioned to you, you know, one client, if I can do one mortgage for the guy at my club, well, that should give me another two or three. And those two or three should give me another two or three. So now I'm up to nine, 10, 12. And then, as you know, it just blossoms from there. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Peter, for taking the time to share your insights with uh, with us. I'm excited about this, this interview, and um, I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Have a great weekend. Okay, take care. Take care. Bye, Scott. If you are prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I love mortgage brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hi, Broker Nation. If you enjoyed this interview, please take a minute, visit iTunes, and rate this podcast. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next month. Okay, that's not true, but I would really appreciate it. Also, I want to invite you to join me on a quest. After every episode, I personally take five minutes and think about one thing or one idea I can use to improve my mortgage business. I encourage you to do the same. Over the next 12 months, I plan to do 100 interviews and make 100 improvements. I'm going to track these to see how they impact my business and more importantly, my bottom line. Visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com and post in the show notes what one thing you plan to do differently after listening to this interview and check out what other brokers are sharing. Also, if you'd like to connect with me, fire me an email at scott at robyourbank.com. I love hearing from passionate mortgage professionals who are interested in improving their business. Until next time, 
rock on.